Welcome to Kat's podcast, episode number 12. I'm Kat and in my podcast we talk all about freedom, reconnection and empowerment and how they influence each other, how they are connected. In today's show, I'm talking to Steph Godrow. She's a nutritional therapy practitioner, an intuitive eating counselor and a strength coach. And her approach to food and fitness is much more than just talking about the body. She looks at your whole being and works on empowering your mind, moving with intention, recharging your energy and eating nourishing foods. This is really an empowering conversation for anyone who feels confused about how to eat healthy and how to exercise in a good way. You know, maybe you've been through heaps of diets, but you always come back to the same disempowering place and you're struggling with trusting yourself or your intuition when it comes to food and exercise. Or maybe you're struggling with an all or nothing mindset. And if you're that type of person, this episode is also for you. But we are not just talking about food and exercise. We go bigger. So this episode is really for everyone who is looking for a more holistic and whole approach to life and reclaiming that inner trust and intuition that we all have inside us but that's oftentimes overridden by you know the external shoulds and opinions of others and things like that so really an empowering conversation and in the end we also touch on some things you can do today to get through these crazy corona times in a sane and self-loving and non-judgmental way. Enjoy. How's life in California at the moment? You're in down in San Diego, right? Yeah, everything is, uh, I mean, my day hasn't changed very much because I already work from home. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't go to jujitsu, go to the gym, that kind of thing. Um, so that's different, but really not much is, I can't go to the coffee shop, but not much has changed with my da daily routine. <laughs> all all yeah. things considered. My husband's been working from home for about six weeks. Uh, they started working from home before the state mandated, you know, sheltering in place. So we, you know, had a three-year trial run where we worked from home together before this. So I feel like we're lucky because we know what it's like and it's not been a big deal at all. It just feels like we're back to that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, uh, it's been okay. It's been okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can very much relate to that. Just yesterday I was talking to a friend and she mentioned something and I was like, huh, it seems to me or it looks like I've been like basically preparing my lifestyle for this for these circumstances <laughs> because mm -hmm. I'm like on all fronts I'm like oh well I'm actually all right and not that much is changing although it's a really weird or surreal situation yeah but um but yeah so I'm um, officially welcome to this to the show Steph I'm really super ha happy to have you here and um I just want to tell the listeners um 
how I came across you or what fascinated me about you. And when I came across you a few years ago um, through Marie Folio's B-School, what I liked about you was that um, you talked about changing your career paths and integrating more freedom in your life. And um, then more recently, what I really like is your journey with regards to um, being all of you and embracing all of you. So not just being food and fitness, but also, you know, you're also tarot cards and meditation and knitting. And by the way, I really like that scarf. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so cool. And And I remember when I when the first time I saw um, you putting up tarot cards on your feet in a picture, I thought, that's cool. You know, embracing all of you and showing that to the world as well. Um, yeah, and that's why I thought you'd be such a great fit for my for my podcast and talking all about, you know, reconnection and re-empowering yourself, basically. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, cool. So tell us a bit about, yeah, about your journey, basically, and about you. Um, so the listeners uh, know who you are and, yeah, what you've, what you've done, where you come from, where you're now, and so on. Gosh, how long do we have on this podcast? No, I'll try to pick out the important points. Um, you know, growing up, I think uh, what I experienced as a child, as a teen, was stuff that a lot of people go through, feeling really insecure about myself and like I didn't fit in and very conscious of my body, not liking my body, and then embarking on a 15-year sort of journey to try to control my body, try to make it fit a certain mold. And I was never happy with myself. I mean, I know every, <laughs> I used to teach high school kids. So I know like we all are awkward at that phase, but mm -hmm. I feel like an, I never outgrew that. And it was, I, I was just always consumed by negative self-talk, negative thoughts about my body, not being thin enough, not being good enough. And it was really debilitating to to move through life. So obviously um be you know being able to function and have a career and all that stuff that that was that was happening but underneath it all my own belief in myself, my own peace with who I am, my self-talk was draining, all-consuming and very limiting. And it took it took a long time, and it's it's always happening, right? This is a this is not something you reach a destination of. Well, I never have a negative thought about myself ever again. You yeah, know, that's that's not how it works. <laughs> I I always sort of describe it as the you know the echoes of that still I think are in your bones when you you've gone through that, and I don't know if it's something you ever release completely. Um, at least for me, it's not something I, I release completely. But now when I have those thoughts or I have that awareness of, hmm, why do I want, you know, where did that come from? Oh, you know, am I worried I'm not 
working out enough right now? What is that? What's all that about? Where is that coming from? I have the tools now to start looking at it and and to choose something different. So I don't think it's something you ever get to that place and and you think, oh, well, I've completely transcended this. Maybe Mm. some people do, but I don't think it's very common. And and I think that causes further self-judgment about not being there yet, not not being further along in your journey. So, you know, I started with what a lot of people do, which is changing what I was eating, moving in a different way. So I went from being a cardio junkie to really lifting weights and, and trying to detach from an aesthetic outcome. So what I mean by that is instead of focusing on what my body looked like through exercise and trying to control it that way, I began to think about what I could do with my body. What could, you know, what could my body help me do? What was I capable of doing? And I think that was a a really great stepping stone into leaning into the idea of, hey, I have worth and value no matter what I look like or no matter what I can do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fitness and and changing that up and exploring different ways of, of doing that stuff and then learning about more about cognitive behavioral therapy and psychology and uh, mindset work and now spirituality on top of it. And it's been a really interesting experience to see how when you think you have one layer uncovered and you're like, okay, I'm <laughs> dealing with this now you learn that there's another, there's something else there, or there's another thing to explore. And I think for me, treating it as that curiosity, that sort of exploration, I was on a coaching call last week and I said, Hey, you know, pretend you're Indiana Jones, right? From the movies, Indiana Jones was this amazing, like adventurer and explorer. And yeah, he got into some dicey situations, <laughs> but it was an adventure. When you when you watch that movie for the first time or you have whatever character who you're like, ah, they're just so excited and wide-eyed and like ex- just expansive with what's happening. I think that's a really different place than feeling like, oh, I, you know, look at how much is still wrong with me. Yeah, totally. And so, yes, that's kind of my been my trajectory with my own shifting and changing and development of myself. Professionally, I was a biology and chemistry teacher at the high school level for 12 years before I left uh, to work for myself. So that happened in 2013. It's almost been seven years, which is crazy. And a lot has changed. But I decided in in that year to start working for myself and give it a bash and see what happened. And it was because I had a really good foundation that I learned from B-School. And um, that that helped me to put my work out into the world to see, you know, would this help other people? Is it going to be a resource for folks. And it looked very different seven years ago than it does now. I'll tell you that, but it's been, uh, it's been a really interesting journey along the way um, to, to shift and adapt and to end up at the point of this podcast that we're talking today. You know, yeah. Right? And with 192,000 followers on Instagram, that's pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> I, I always sort of 
to me, it's just kind of normal now. And mm. it's funny when I meet people and they think they tell me, oh, you're famous. And I think, no, <laughs> I'm not famous. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I think maybe in some circles, I'm a little bit more well-known. I'm a known person. Uh, my friend Paul Jarvis uses that term, a known person. I'm not a famous person, but it's always really interesting to pause and think, you know, how many people am I you know, touching digitally today. What is that like? How are we interacting? And uh, even my audience has changed over the years too. When I I rebranded and changed my name on Instagram almost two years ago, it was two years, it'll be two years in June. And I lost a quarter of my followers, my community. Wow. Okay. Interesting. But you know, despite that. It's like clearing out. Hey, I mean, yeah, just... Yeah. All and those it, people who don't resonate with you are like, yeah, it's just clear. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's, it's an interesting experience, especially for entrepreneurs, people who work online, et cetera, that when you change and you're really doing what's resonant for you and there's a different energy to that, right? Rather than forcing yourself to do something you're really not into. And people f- can feel that. But when you when you continue to lean into the things that you're really excited and passionate about, mm-hmm. then you find the people who are also excited and passionate. And that might mean some people go away, but at the end of the day, you still have that core community that's loving what you're talking about now. So you you get a little bit more used to it, I would say. I think I remember in the early days when people would unsubscribe from my emails, I would take it so personally. You know, and, um, and over the years I've learned that, you know, if you try to be for everyone, then you end up really being for no one, which is, uh, it's tough when the world of online entrepreneurship is very focused on metrics and growth Mm. rather than pruning, you know, like you're going to prune a tree or there's like really editing down that list of who your ideal like who's the person who really, and I, people say ideal client, but to me, it's just the people that really resonate with the message. They really resonate with what you're doing. Those are the people you want to pour your energy into, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'll definitely come back to some of the things you said or some of these aspects. Mm, so your work now, um, for the listeners, so we all know what you're doing. So mm-hmm. um, we have this <laughs> reference as a background for what we, we talk about later on. So you work as a nutritional therapy practitioner, as an intuitive eating counselor, and as a strength coach. So yes. tell us a bit about like what, what do you do, how does it look like, and um, maybe also about your approach at the core four. Yeah, I think, um, you know, ultimately I'm here to help people trust themselves more with food and movement is really what I, how I boil that down. I am a, the, the way my brain works is that I'm constantly incorporating methods and uh, of working with people and ideas and concepts from so many places. And that's just how my brain works. I see things as a whole, as a holistic 
you know, I see humans as holistic. I, I, and I also understand the the details. I studied human physiology and biology. So you want to nerd out on, you know, cell transporters. Cool. We can do that too. (laughs) But at the end of the day, you know, the type of people that I really am working with are the folks who just think, man, I've been through so many diets. I've been through so many 30 day programs, even if they're not labeled as a diet. I, for years, punished myself with, with withholding food or making myself over-exercise, and I'm tired of it. Like, I'm so tired of it, but I'm also really scared to let it go because I don't know what else is there. So those are ultimately the folks that I work with most of the time. They're not people who are unfamiliar with eating, quote, healthy. They're not mm. people who are unfamiliar with the idea of exercise. It tends to be that type of person who's really struggling with an all or nothing mindset around food and exercise or using food and exercise as a way to control themselves and their bodies. Now, the energy of control is very different from the energy of trust. One is contractive and one is expansive or light Mm -hmm. and heavy or however you experience that energy, right? So it sometimes is in the approach. It is in the mindset. It is in the perspective. It is in the beliefs that we carry about those things. And so what I ultimately help people do is to move and and nourish their bodies in ways that are more intuitive and reclaiming the trust that they have lost with themselves because our us so we are we are you know we have a body but we are not our body. Our body is a part of us, but it's not the only thing about us. And so it's like working through those layers, the physical body, the mental, emotional body, the energetic body, the spiritual body, and how mm. do we go through that progression. And, and so that's really what I help people do. And yeah, I draw on nutritional therapy. If somebody's coming to me and they're like, well, I get hangry all the time. What's up with that? Well, let's look at what you're eating and how it's impacting your blood sugar. Or if they, so I draw on that, if they're talking about, they keep getting stuck in the cycle of all or nothing eating or binge eating or whatever it is like, okay, let's look at your relationship with food. What is that like? And so then I draw on being a certified intuitive eating counselor with movement, right? Same thing. What helping people explore. And I do, I am a strength coach. So that's my kind of where my bias lies, but, um, like helping people move in ways that are more joyful and sustainable and nourishing and fun for them. You know, let's dig into, well, what are the judgments that I have about movement? That it has to be a certain way that I should be doing it like this, that, and we're not, we're not thinking about us and our, Hmm. you know, our instinct and our desires and what we want to. And so we make one right and one wrong so ultimately, that's that's kind of what I help people do, and I do it in a variety of ways. So I have my core four, which is really just for people who are kind of new to this idea of a more holistic way of looking at movement and food and energy and stress and mindset. So those are the, the four pillars. And then I also do coaching. So I have small group coaching where I work with people primarily with intuitive eating concepts because that tends to be where folks get really... Uh, it's, you read the book, if you read the book, intuitive eating, it's a fantastic book. I love Evelyn and Elise so much, but you read the book and you're like, cool, 
I understand it. And then you go to your kitchen and you, everything that you're afraid of about food or confused about, about food comes back. And so it's really in the app, it's in the practice, it's in the application. And, and so that's what I help coach people through there. I have a podcast where we talk about listening to your body in a variety of different ways. So ultimately it's a a bit of a mixed bag (laughs) in terms of what I do. I have a book about the core four. Um, I have a website that has been around in some way, shape or form for now 10 years. Uh, it's changed a lot in that time, but blog posts and, and videos and things like that. So I'm a bit of a jack of all trades when it comes to that. Yeah, amazing. Um, there's actually three things I want to touch on about what you just said. First of all, I really love your podcast and I can recommend it to anyone listening. Um, and especially if people want to dive more into this, what you were just talking about, body, mind, soul connection, or you call it body, mind, soul health, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Your introduction episode to your, well, new named podcast, it's the same podcast, but Mm -hmm. it's got a new name. And I found that episode just really, just really nice to listen to. And it's, I think it, um, it gives you a good understanding of what you're putting out there and where you're at. And I, I think a lot of us can really relate to that. Thank you. Yeah. And also what you said about the shoulds. I mean, there's so many <laughs> shoulds in our lives. I know it from my, from my own like experience. And especially if you, I don't know, if you are a certain person, maybe you're more that, that pita type in Ayurveda or more that go-getter type. You're like, oh, I should actually be doing this or I should be eating this. And um I mean, it it can be in in all areas of your life, but um, I think it's really a hard one to overcome. So it's really good to, and I think it's really important to look into it and to explore. I mean, why do I think that I should be doing that? And yeah, so I I love that you're talking about that. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) No, 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 you go, you go. I was going to say, I think that's just a, that's the challenge, right? Is, is being aware of the motivations, being aware of your intentions, especially if you, if you get the sense that you, you don't like what's happening right now in your life where it's costing you, you know, it's costing you something dear to, to you, whether that's a lot of energy, your relationships, your peace of mind, I think that that's really important for people to assess and ultimately no one else on the, on the planet earth knows what it feels like in, for, in your body and feels like in your head. And I think Mm -hmm. that, right. The more we develop the tools of self-inquiry, the more options we, the, the more we develop the options to live our life in a way that's very aligned to what's important to us right now. And when we get very embedded with the shoulds, we're not taking ourselves into account. It's always this external, right? External rules, external guidelines, external values. And that's fine. That's okay to have those things, but when they're unchecked and they are not, we're not including our own internal body signals, awareness, 
desires, uh, all of that stuff, when we're not seeing where the middle ground is between those two things, it's very disorienting. Or, you know, you get into this place where people are just like, I'm so confused about what I should be doing. I don't know. Should I be low carb? Should I be low fat? Should I be doing CrossFit? Should I be doing yoga? Like what? And it's always the external, right? Because we're coming back to the rules and guidelines. And again, those aren't bad. You know, nutrition science is nutrition science, but, um, but, and, you know, we can understand how to build muscle and all these things, right? We have science for all of that stuff that, that we can say, well, what's efficient and what's well-balanced and all these things. But when we don't have any internal say in any of that, it's very easy to get overwhelmed, confused, to feel like we're conflicted. Because there is always going to be conflicting information about how to live your life. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I, I really like that you're going going deep into that um, topic because um, I th- yeah probably those shoulds or those guidelines are helping us to you know structure the world to live in this world to perceive the world in a well in a way that we can maybe function or so. But what are we excluding when we don't listen to our bodies and our minds and our souls? I mean, there's there's so much more potential and so so much opportunity and and so many probably we could we could thrive so much more when we were just like tuning into like all of us. Um, yes, absolutely. So, so what what I liked was um or what came to my mind is, you know, we have always this urge to label and to put into boxes. And I just want to touch on that a bit, a bit more, because that was one of the things you recently went through or you, you posted about and said, Oh, I always thought I have to be that way or this way. And, you know, I thought I could only be fitness and eating or (laughs) fitness and food and, um, but now I see I can also be meditation and I can also be, you know, I can also have this spiritual curiosity. And I find that really, really soothing. And I mean, I personally can can relate to that very much. And I think it's also so, so freeing to have this insight, you know, or this realization to say, you know what? I can be anything I want and I don't have to fit into one box or uh, to be that way because people would struggle what they would like call me or uh, yeah. So, so, so can, can you elaborate that a little bit more from your perspective? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm still making my way through it. I, (laughs) I still, wrestle with the idea of, you know, how do I communicate what I do to people? Because I, at my core, again, I, I cannot, it just does not make sense to me and how I see the world to reduce people down to one, to one thing, to focus on one extremely narrow thing. And if people out there do that, that's totally fine. I'm not saying it's wrong. It just doesn't resonate with how I understand the world. I am a terrible list maker, for example. Really? 
I do not, I don't make lists of anything. Oh, I love this. <laughs> That's uh, so funny. <laughs> I am not a linear thinker. I think in webs. I, in my head, I think of connections. And so the idea to me of a list is just linear hell. It, it's not, it, <laughs> occasionally I will, I'll break down and make a list, but it's, it's Shopping nothing. I, lo- <laughs> I don't even like doing that. I keep it wow. all in my head, which is crazy. So I think, you know, for me to sit down and say, well, I only do, this is what I used to do, right? I, I do paleo recipes. That's pretty narrow, right? That's a pretty narrow thing that to, to offer the world. And when I started working with people more closely and started coaching people and, and things like that, I started to see that what, what they really were having a hard time with was not the what. It wasn't, you know, what foods are the, are the most supportive for my body. It was all the other crap that gets in the way. Right? All the mindset stuff, all the self-judgment, all the emotional stuff. Um, and I don't mean to say that that stuff's crap. It's not crap. But I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's getting in the way of people implementing what they want to implement or having peace with their decisions. And it was really at that point when I was still running Stupid Easy Paleo that I just started to think, oh my gosh, it's not just food, <laughs> you know, and how do I communicate this? And so in 2015, so five years ago, I started uh, the Core 4 program, which was called something else back then, but it's still running. And it was really that chance to give people an experience of tasting a little bit of all those things, right? Tasting a little bit of nourishing themselves with food and what that could be like of exploring movement in a more intentional way of recharging their energy of empowering their own mind. And that's those Mm -hmm. are the four pillars. But as you know, myself, it's been hard to rectify that and say, well, what do I do? What do I help people with? And right now, the way I describe it is, you know, finding more trust with yourself, with food and movement. But it's tough when you're in a world of marketing and you're in a world of online entrepreneurship when everybody is, you know, talking about niching down and Mm. getting Mm. extremely specific about who you help, what you do for them, uh, what you offer them. And, you know, so I can think of, one of the things that I'm really uh, love is as a highly sensitive person and an empath and an INFJ, like all of those parts about me, I really think that knitting is extremely soothing for my brain in, <laughs> in that way. So I'm like <laughs> knitting for HSPs. I mean, to me, that's like one of the most niche things I've ever heard of, right? Knitting for <laughs> highly sensitive people. It's easy for me to see it there. But when it comes to helping people with their well-being and ultimately empowering people to heal themselves, I mean, how do I, how do I put that in a box? It's really difficult to, to do that. So it's, it's a constant tinkering. It's a constant, you know, thinking about how do I share this? And it is a little bit, I think for me personally, scary sometimes to share those things about myself. Hmm. I'm getting a little bit more courageous with it, but it's, um, 
it's been really strange and an and exciting and interesting progression to think, oh, I shared a tarot card on my you know, Instagram story, like, am I going to get a bunch of hate mail or a bunch of people that are going <laughs> to unfollow me because they don't, they don't like it. Or if I write about liking a science and spirituality, am I going to be misunderstood? And so I think a lot of times it comes down to, for me to decide what I want to align to. Do I want to align to fear or do I want to align to possibility and expansion and whatever opportunity, like whatever that would look like, or do I want to align to fear? And, and it's, it's, it's hard. It's not, I'm constantly checking in with myself about that stuff. So all I know is that I, I, <laughs> I wear my emotions pretty much on my sleeve. I am not one that will hide things from people, hmm. whether it's my family, my friends, my community. I don't do well with that. I don't do well with like keeping it, you know, unless it's something I'm really actively working through. If it's something that I've processed and I'm, I feel could be of service to other people, like I'll share it. And so it's, uh, it's always really interesting to go through that process of wanting to share, wanting to tell people what's on my mind. And, and yet there's that little voice in the back of my head that is like, is this on brand? And I, you know, all the things that I sort of learned in the marketing world and the <laughs> online entrepreneurship world, right. That there's one way you should do things. There's one right way to do things. And that's where, when I, when I think, oh, I should be doing this, I'm like, oh, really? Who says, and is that true for me? And Right. So it's very similar um, to to what I help people with, with intuitive eating and movement, but just applied to myself in the online business space. So hmm. it's, uh, it's wild. Yeah. And interesting, hey, you know, just seeing the parallel that you just showed, like what you do with your clients and how that mirrors in your life, but on just other levels or in yeah. other areas. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah, it yeah. is. Maybe that's the universal, I don't know, the universal personal growth process or, yeah, interesting. Well, but I, I the, cool, the cool part about it is that those skills can transfer over. So yeah, oh, learn, definitely. Right. So if you learn about those skills of introspection and cultivating awareness and mm. stillness and sensing into your intuition or whatever that looks like for you. I mean, or instinct that that stuff carries over. And so you can learn it in one context, but I feel like if, if you're kind of switched onto it, you start to see the parallels and mm -hmm. how, it's, uh, how it can be applied in other places. Yeah, true. Totally true. And all what you said before, I think I find it really beautiful, you know, showing the other sides of you and going with what you feel or what feels right for you or aligned with you. And um, yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that also in, in to, to a certain extent. And it's always this, it's also a question of vulnerability. I think, you know, what do you put out there? That's always 
a biggie for me like oh do i do i really want to share that or not and do i want to be that transparent but but something inside me probably tells me ah oh, yes go for it and yeah or the bigger part of me yeah absolutely i think when there's when there's something on the line like that it's easy to i mean it's ultimately up to the individual to say what feels right to share oh yeah right yeah. but I always think, could, could somebody somewhere get something out of this? And the things that I tend to share are things that people ask me about. And so I think, what are the, con you know, what's common between us? Where do I have insight on this topic or this issue that could be of service to people? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that part is sometimes what, shows the shows me the path of you know what sh what what could i share right now what would be helpful to people to know and when you're in that position it helps a lot to think well okay i want to relate to them what is my experience and ultimately to help them see how it could be applied to their life you know what's a piece what's a nugget you could take away from that and a perfect example i shared a story in a coaching group that I'm in I, that I am a member of. So I, even coaches have coaches, but I, <laughs> as a participant shared a story that I, I realized something when I was on a coaching call with my coach and I wanted to share it in the group just because it was such a profound experience for me. And I had a handful of people who read the posts and they thought, Oh my gosh, I just realized something about my life. And And that is the thing that, that drives me forward because we are all, I mean, there, we have a collective consciousness. We, many of us have very similar or parallel experiences and we think we're the only one. And that sense of isolation adds further suffering mm -hmm. to our experience without a doubt. I mean, that sense of being not just physically isolated, but isolated in our experiences and we think gosh what's wrong with me i'm the only one who's ever gone through this and then you see somebody who shares something very similar or makes you think about an experience that you had and all of a sudden you're like oh wow okay i'm not the only one i feel a sense of peace about that or i don't feel as as alone as i used to with regards to this so to me that's such a gift that you can offer people um is that is that sense of belonging even if it's a painful mm -hmm. or or sensitive experience yeah yeah i'm totally with you mm. so one thing i wanted to touch on as well is i mean we've talked already about listening to your body and not just your body but also to your mind and soul and i think especially in these days you know in these turbulent and really uncertain times and They are really, I, I think they're challenging for all of us just in so many different ways because we're all in different countries and we have different, you know, life circumstances and just different bag, like different baggage to carry. And um, I did a re I did a solo show about um, how to to um, calm down and to create headspace and to really anchor yourself and. 
what I found or one way for me was like really being gentler with myself and really listening to what I needed. So listening to my body and my mind and my soul. And um, can you touch on that from your, you know, coaching experience or your recent coaching experience? So what's, what's going on at the moment? What, what do people long for? Um, or maybe especially women, what, what do we long for these days? And well, what's, what's showing up at the moment? <laughs> yeah, there's a really great question. And I pivoted what I was doing in the month of April. So in March, I just kept seeing questions about, you know, so many people expressing frustration about emotional eating and things like that. You know, where is, why is this happening? Where is this coming from? And so in April, I decided, okay, I'm going to do a month-long mini course and let's just do this. Let's explore this a little bit more. Let's understand this. So mm -hmm. I think um, there is a general sense of obviously disruption to what is normal for us um, as individuals and collectively as a society. And there's a longing for control, a sense of control in a time where it's been highlighted to us that perhaps less is in our control than we once believed or thought. And so I've been seeing, and this is not a judgment, this is not saying this is wrong, but this is an observation that there is a return for a lot of people or an urge for a lot of people to go back to things that helped them feel in control of themselves, their bodies, situation and I think what's also being what's also very common right now coming to the surface is the things that are probably the most painful or irritating or unresolved things in your life in your emotional world are the things that are being now amplified your fears your anxieties whatever that happens to be right um one of mine, I'll give you an example, is <laughs> the idea that money, like the scarcity around money, that's always been running in my family. That's a, that's a constant conversation in my you know, family of origin. It is something that is uh, collectively baked into lineage. You know, for example, my grandparents growing up in the Depression, um, even further back from that. So there's like, this goes way back, right? And it's I've been doing a lot of work in the last few years about releasing the fear that, you know, there's a lot of scarcity around money because it creates a lot of anxiety in me and it makes me do a lot of things that are very contractive. I uh, do things out of fear. So I've been working on that for the last few years, but when all of this happened, it sort of stirred that up again in me and I had to think, okay, what, what is mine here? Is this, is this fear really mine? Is this um, desire to control things in this way? Is this going to ultimately serve me? And so, no, I'm not talking about like irresponsibly spending money um, to just prove that it's always abundant and it's always there, but I really had to <laughs> challenge where, where that fear was coming from and how I wanted to really live in a very aware way, you know, where, where am I experiencing that? So that's just one example. The one I'm seeing a lot with my community is in controlling food. So 
Hmm. I've seen a Mm -hmm. lot of people say, I haven't thought about going on that popular 30-day program for my food in a long time. And all of a sudden, I just want to go back on it. And I don't even know why. But it's ah. a sense of, of control. and of- So is it like going, going, going back to old patterns or patterns that they've not just not yet overcome completely? I mean, it, doesn't, it shouldn't sound like that negative. But, um, you know, is it, is, it, is it like going backwards a little bit? Or um, how- I, 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 kind, I see it as they're could perhaps be things that are unresolved. I I don't want people to feel like they're reverting because that brings up a lot of shame and judgment of why am I not over this yet? But I said earlier, right, I still have the whisper of some of the body image stuff in me. I don't know if it'll ever be gone completely. And so in these times, I had a moment last night where I was in bed and I was thinking, am I doing, am I working out enough right now? (laughs) And and, Right. And so that's an example of, I don't think that's reverting. I think that that's just where we feel vulnerable is oftentimes where we turn or the things that we're looking to control instead of having, you know, being able to trust. And, And I think that's on a spectrum, right? Like we learn trust. Most people pretty gradually, um, so like we've learned, we're learning to trust ourselves, but that doesn't mean that we'll never have moments of feeling like, oh, this is rearing its ugly head again. And mm. in intuitive eating, um, the concept is called the spiral of healing, where if you can imagine a spiral, um, if you're anywhere, you know, you go on the spiral and you're following it around and it's going in a circle and you're like, yay, I'm making progress. Oh no, I'm not making progress. Oh, I'm making progress. Oh no, I'm not. Okay. And, and so this idea of we, we do progress upwards and forwards, but it, we may have those periods where it feels like old habits are, are there again. And that's really the thing with habit research, right? Is that it's showing now that we don't, you know, people say break a bad habit, but we don't really break our habits. We, we've established that neural pathway. We have, you know, when we practice a habit over and over again, we do it over and over again. We make that, we, we myelinate that pathway and we make it really efficient. Mm -hmm. So if we want to create a new habit, whether that's a thought pattern, whether that's a behavior, we want to create that new pattern. We, we, we make another pathway and we, we make that one more efficient. So for me, I don't think of it as, oh, I'm regressing. Because um, mm-hmm. uh, that's really comes with a lot of shame and guilt and judgment. And I just think, oh, okay, well, that's, that's interesting that that's coming up. What do I want to choose right now? And, yeah. and, and so I'm seeing a lot of, like I said, emotional eating. Um, and then a lot of people are judging that. And I just want to say for some people, if things feel extremely insecure for you right now, they feel very unpredictable, very scary. Um, I'm sensing collectively we're a little, we're moving in a slightly different direction with that. I think if this was a month ago, there was a lot of upset, a lot of overwhelm and a lot of uh, panic. And that's, I'm not saying those things are wrong, not at all. That's a normal response to 
of like your daily life changing in the basically the blink of an eye. Um, but I, I sense now there's this more long-term view of, okay, now I'm kind of settled into this new routine. What do I want to, you know, like, what's my life like right now? How am I getting through? And so there are going to be people that are adopting things like emotional eating strategies um, or, or patterns, I should say, you know, their, their tendencies to do these things. And that is the way they're coping right now. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. However, however, you were coping with that. We can't, like when we make the coping strategy wrong and we make the person wrong and we say, no, you need to stop doing that immediately. I hear that a lot with emotional eating. It's like, yeah, you need to stop yeah. emotional eating forever. I don't, I mean, I want to eat sometimes when I'm happy. Like, I don't, I, you know, there's a, there's a whole spectrum there that we could talk about. So we can't demonize one type of emotional eating and venerate the other. But I think when we're looking at something like emotional eating, if you are, if food is the thing that is helping you get through and cope and live your life right now and get through the acute period of like feeling like you're literally surviving, then that's okay. Um, I think eventually most people are going to get to the point, however that looks, because we are going through this collective grieving. We are going through this collective anxiety and fear. But whenever that starts to sort of dampen a little bit in terms of intensity, I think for people Mm. to say, okay, if I'm not feeling as emotionally on edge right now, can I look at emotional eating from the perspective of, I'd actually like to get to know myself and my emotions and my responses to my emotions when it comes to food a little bit better. How could I come up, come up, uh, how could I come to that from an experience that's exploratory. Um, I'm, you know, it's not like you need to fix this right now because you're broken and messed up. I think that that is not the way to approach it. So that's what I'm seeing a lot of. I'm seeing a lot of people be really um, fearful of losing the progress that they've made in their whatever fitness routine it is. And Mm -hmm. I don't even think it's from a point of view of, um, I mean, you know, people's bodies changing is scary for a lot of people. They're like, my body's changing. I'm losing muscle or I'm, you know, getting softer in places or whatever it is. And that brings up a lot of things underneath. What hasn't been healed with Mm -hmm. body image? What hasn't, you know, what, what hasn't, what haven't you healed yet with how you see yourself? And if you only, so for example, if you, if your main source of self-worth with fitness is in being able to lift a certain thing, be a certain level of strength, then you're seeing that right now as an area that feels very unknown and scary because you're like, well, maybe I'm still moving, but I'm not moving in the way I'm used to, Hmm. to the level I'm used to doing with the implements that I'm used to I don't have as heavy of weight at my house, whatever it is. Um, I think we need to first acknowledge our, the privileges that we all have in those situations. Like if you are still able to do some movement at home right now and like you're safe sheltering in place and you have some options, like you're in a really privileged position. So acknowledge, being able to acknowledge that is really important. And then also say, 
let me, you know, what logically, rationally, what's going on here, or also what's going on below the surface. If I'm really worried about losing my gains, my strength level, I mean, first of all, we need to understand that if you're relatively adapted to training, to lifting, to fitness of whatever it is you're doing, even if you're taking some time away, you're, people are like, I'm going to start off at square zero again, square one. I'm starting off. I'm going to have to start all at the beginning. And I know what kind of effort and work I put into getting to the point I was at. I'm like, that's not actually how it works. You will be detrained a little bit, but your body does some amazing things physiologically that mean that when you come back to it, are you going to feel exactly the same as when you left the gym two months ago? Probably those first two weeks are probably going to be pretty rough. And then you'll start to notice your fitness coming back online. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to take as long as the first time you ever walked into a gym. That's just not how it works. So like, let's put some self-knowledge in that little bucket. Um, Let's put some self-care into that bucket. Like, what am I going to do that's going to help care for me? And it's not just treating yourself, right? It could be, what boundaries am I going to work on? Or with fitness, am I just going to get up and move around and stop judging myself mentally, right? That I'm not doing enough, being enough. And then the self-compassion, you know, treating myself with kindness. And are we, are we able to kind of consider those three buckets together? So that's the, those are the primary things I'm seeing right now with my community. There's still like a lot of fear that bodies are going to change. There's a lot of fear around that stuff. And I completely understand where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And also, um, a lot of the fear, as fears go, <laughs> is is a bit unfounded, right? Or it's not what's happening to you at present. It's easy to to say, well, this is what happened to me before. I'm afraid of going back there. Totally understand that. But how do we want to move forward? You know, what's going to be the most nourishing to get us through? Can we have compassion for ourselves that? we might not be able to replicate the same kind of workout schedule at our house than we did when we were going to a gym and just say, right now I'm doing the best I can. And you're doing the best you can. And that's okay. Um, and being able to be flexible and enroll with that. So again, I think it's just, for a lot of people amplifying or the way I like to think about it is it's shining a light on where we have the opportunity for further growth. I can either yeah. look at that, right? And I and I can say, oh crap, these are the things that I'm not, I'm still not good at. What's wrong with me? Or I can say, I might not like how I feel right now. <laughs> um, but what's the op- like w- this is showing me where growth is still possible. And treating that as an invitation, when you feel settled and more stable, to get curious about that exploration, um, I think that that's, I think that's what's coming out right now in in the collective, overall. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. You know, shining a light on the unresolved, and yeah, that that which still working in us. Um, I, I like that. Yeah. So do you have like 
one, two or three tips for people, what they could do today to, you know, just to, uh, it's probably just wrapping up what you would just said, you know, what they could do today to just feel better and not feel like guilty or don't not feel shame or beat themselves up that they, yeah, as we just discussed, can't work out or um, do eat some stuff they wouldn't maybe in normal times or, mm. yeah, just, yeah, it's, it's about feeling good and, and, and getting healthy and, and sane through these times. And yeah. Absolutely. I think I have a couple, um, a couple things. First of all, it's just taking a moment to breathe. Hmm. Because when we are in that sympathetic dominance, our nervous system is in a, a heightened state, right? It's aware, it's alert, it's looking for the next thing, it's afraid, fear is running in the background. And that's what our bodies are designed to do. <laughs> so it, it's our internal system that helps keep, keep us safe. But when that's that fight or flight system is turned on all the time, even when there's the threat is not like we can, we can launch into that fight or flight or freeze system. Even when the threat is perceived, we might be perceiving that something like it could be made up. And I'm saying, you know, it's not happening to us right now. That's what I mean by made up. It's not actually happening to us right now. Because I'm like, well, right now I'm sitting in my living room talking to a cat. <laughs> I'm safe in my house. <laughs> There's nothing here except my husband and my cat. Um, so we can launch into that fight or flight or freeze state, even if we're it, the thoughts, the anxiety is running in the background, right? It's running in our mind. So when that happens... If we can just take us take a few moments and just breathe and really allow our belly to expand that diaphragmatic breathing, exhale slower than you inhale. And now I think you, the easiest way to start is just a two count inhale and a four count exhale. Mm -hmm. You can gradually move it up. So a, f a three count inhale, a six count exhale four, eight, and so on. And if it feels okay to you, you can even do a little bit of breath holding before you exhale. It's not going to feel good to everybody at the time. So if it doesn't feel good to you, that's okay. But when you slow the exhale and you're really allowing your belly to expand, we're able to tap into the rest or digest half of the autonomic nervous system. Mm -hmm. And that calms us down. And it sounds so simple, but when we get scared or anxious, our breathing becomes very shallow, very chest and shoulder dominant, and we are not activating that vagus nerve, which connects our, our gut to our brain. The vagus nerve is the longest nerve in the body. It's like a super highway of communication from your gut to your brain. Bacteria use it to communicate with your brain. It controls how, uh, you know, keyed up and anxious you feel or how relaxed you feel it's really quite fascinating so breathing is that image of a super highway yeah, yeah. right it's so like yeah it, it's really yeah you can picture something it's like oh, okay it's that one <laughs> for sure so breathing um free 
right? <laughs> it's easy, yeah. free. You can do it anywhere. You don't need to be yeah. in a dark room with a yoga mat and candles. Um, you can do it <laughs> anywhere you start to feel anxious. And it's just a reminder to come back to your body, right? To like just bring your attention back to this body instead of being like floating up in your head where all of the anxious thoughts are living. So I really like that one. Um, the second thing I would say is to make time to to give gratitude, to identify gratitude in your life. There's so much research on gratitude and why it works and why it's powerful. But even, and, and here's the challenge, here's the the practice, right? Just like we would lift a weight. We're going to lift a weight. We're going to build our strength. When we practice gratitude, we strengthen our ability to see things that are going right even when things are going wrong or to see what's working out for us even when we get the sense that things are not working out for us. And there's a lot of sense right now that things are not working out for us, right? This is hard. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, I'm not, and it doesn't <laughs> – Having gratitude, and here's the, <laughs> I think this is the ultimate in human experience right now, because this is what I've been feeling on and off, on and off. Oh my gosh, yes, totally. Sorry, I'm bursting in yeah, here. Yeah. But it's how thing. I, yeah, so it's like, how, All the can, time. <laughs> how can I have sensitivity and awareness and empathy to what's happening in the world, what's happening to my community, what's happening to my friends and family, perhaps, what's happening to my life. How can I have sensitivity to that and hold that in solemn respect while still experiencing joy, happiness, gratitude, for all the things that I do have in my life. How do I rectify those things as a human? How do I stay? How do I keep those two, those, those two things as a both and? And I think that's just the experience we're all living through. We're like, we don't know. We're like never done this before and on this scale. Sure, there have been like epidemics and things like that and, a much, and pandemics at different times in the world. It, those were even different than they are now because we, so we were so much more globally con connected. But how do I hold those two things as valid? How do I hold those two, what seems like diametrically opposed things as, as truths? Like it's true that people are, that are, people are struggling. It's true that people are having a hard time, that people are, you know, that I am having a hard time, but it's also true that like, it's valid that I could still experience small moments of joy, that I could still live my life. And not be, um, and acknowledge that I have a lot, even if I feel like things have been taken away from me. So some kind of gratitude practice regularly, I think is really, really important. And when you tune your muscle to the small things that you have in your life that bring you, gr that bring you gratitude, that you feel grateful for, it could be something as simple as like, I was able to go stand outside today and feel the breeze on my skin. I, mm. that cup of coffee this morning. Wow. Like I just, it just tasted so good. Or I was able to get a hug today from my loved one. Um, I feel really grateful for that because not everybody ha lives with somebody, somebody that they can hug. 
Um, and they seem like such insignificant things, but that's the key to gratitude. If we're only ever grateful for the big, exciting, wowzer moments, mm. those don't come around every day. And certainly even I don't feel like they're coming around right now for most people. So how can we stay attuned to the small moments of gratitude? And that when we do that, when we build that muscle, we build the, the skill of noticing the small things in the moment. And that is life-changing when you can do that. So recognizing that even amongst struggle and fear and uncertainty, that there still are things that are working out for us. There are still things that we can be grateful for. I think that that's, that's incredibly important. Um, and then the last thing I would just say is, is connection. And I know this is very, very difficult. I know it's not the same for everybody, but however we can get connected to each other right now um, is, is vital. We need, we need that love, that connection, that feeling that we're not alone. And, um, you know, however that's going to look for people, even if it's, I know that Zoom calls are not ideal um, or FaceTime, but it is something. And, and I think that that is going to carry us quite a long way. So, you know, I think less on the you know, workout and, and eating strategy or side of things and more on the, the bigger picture sort of stuff is what I would say. Hmm. I love that. I, I really like what you're saying. And I hope that we can maybe transmit some of the love and the empathy out there to the listeners and maybe especially to those ones living alone or feeling alone at the moment. And I think your words were just really soothing. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, I guess that's, um, I guess that's beautiful words to actually wrap this podcast up and to um yeah to say thank you so i'm really thank you uh, thankful for you being on on my show today and i mean is there anything else that you that you want to add gosh i don't think so but if uh if anybody liked this show they want to reach out you know feel free to reach out to me on social media on my website um you know i just if you're feeling like you are not connected to anybody. Um, I, I mean, I, I can tell you where to join my community. Um, I'm happy to, to send you a message back. I just think, um, you know, if you are looking for resources or looking for help or looking for some kind of just uh, some sort of the sense that you're not by yourself, then reach out to somebody, whether it's me or Kat or or yeah. anybody out there, like, please don't feel like you're burdening someone if you're going to reach out to them. Um, if you need help, please get help. There's no shame in that, that stuff. And, um, you know, we're all going through this together on some level and, um, yeah, just having a lot of compassion for ourselves and for others at this time is so important. Hmm. Yes. Yes, it is. And yes, we are. We are going through this together. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, I will definitely link to your website and your Instagram and um, also the book you mentioned. I'll include that all in the show notes. And yeah, so please reach, reach out, as Steph just said, if, if there's anything on your heart that you, yeah, that you need to, um, that you want to 
um, get out or yeah, just want to connect, then do so, please. So again, thank you so much, Steph. It was really a pleasure for me. <laughs> I'm excited about this. Um, yeah, so enjoy the rest of your Friday. It's Friday today, the recording day. And um, yeah, hopefully speak soon in one form or another. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Sure, a pleasure. What a great conversation. I hope you liked it as much as I do. And if you do so, please share it with friends or with family, someone who could benefit from this. And also, if you're on Instagram, take a screenshot when you're listening and just put it up in your stories and text Steph and me. That helps me really immensely to spread this message of freedom and empowerment and reconnection to more people out there and together we can inspire more people to live their true and empowered lives so thank you for that and thank you for listening today and you all stay strong and healthy and i hear you next time